TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Yes, indeed, it is the get right on your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion Texas Rangers. Mm -hmm. Reginald Datatula here with you sitting in. You might have heard his voice. That's the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Of course, riding with us, fan phenom, Blake Kelly. What's happening, Blake? We here. We back. Day two. I'm excited to be here, man. We got a lot to talk about. We do indeed have a lot to talk about. Big DFW Sports Game Day, uh, the Dallas Stars taking on the Arizona Coyotes here at the American Airlines Center and uh, out in New Orleans. NOLA, your Dallas Mavericks will be taking on the New Orleans Pelicans in, what is this, Game 3 of the in-season tournament. Of course, this yeah. is Game 11 of their regular season in general. And the second game in a row in New Orleans, second time in, two, in three days against the same damn team. Yeah, the first time was a, a absolute blowout to the uh, proportions that the the actual score didn't even make sense or did not show because uh, you had, you ended up with garbage time pretty early. So a lot of uh, Dallas Fort Worth sports happening. We'll keep you up to date on all of it. Shout out to Ross Lubensky on the ones and twos for us. Um, you can always get involved with the program as we're taking you all the way till eleven p.m. here on the Get Right. Um, by texting in to the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053. Can I answer a quick Maverick broadcasting question that I've been getting a lot? There are uh, different people saying, where's Harp? Yeah, where's I've, I've had Harp? that thought myself. Let me tell you what's going on. Harp and Devin Harris are splitting the games this year. Mm. So, in other words, it's not going to wear down Harp. It's not going to de- wear down are Devin we Harris. Are load management from broadcasters now? But you know, <laughs> I'm just saying that's what's going on. And, again, both of them want to do it, and that's why all of them are happy about it. But Harp is not under the weather, and Harp has not been replaced. He is sharing the duties with Devin Harris. From the 817, as folks are already getting involved on the truckwreck.com text line, let's hope they didn't eat too much Nola. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Zion took all of it. Oh, all right. Okay. Food's good, man. All right. Um, that's his problem right you now. You can always. I knew he was in the wrong city when they drafted him. I was like, this ain't going to work. On top of that, uh, you, can, the products. you can also see us on the YouTube 105 through the fan or on twitch.tv slash Dallas fan cam uh, here in about 20 minutes. We'll talk to friend of the program, RJ Ochoa, hey. managing editor of blogging the boys. And we'll ask him this question that we're going to discuss right now, which is, you know, indicative or it, it leads into or leans on rather the ways in which we've seen these Cowboys play over the last month. It's 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 progressed. It's gotten a lot better, particularly on offense. And that's worth noting. And I think the question that needs to be asked is, are you impressed with the way that this offense has progressed for the Cowboys right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very impressed with how this Cowboys offense has looked. I mean, top 10 in passing attempts, 10th to be exact, 8th in rushing attempts. So they've had a balanced attack this year that we are not accustomed to. Sometimes we're a little more run-heavy one year, a little more pass-happy one year. So we have a nice balanced attack. So I love seeing that. And then... As I said on yesterday's show, the Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott seem to be on one accord. There's no decision. Are we going to run it here? Are we going to pass it here? Now, obviously, it's not perfect, but improvement is all you can ask for with the team. And I'm loving the improvement I'm seeing, getting a bunch of different guys involved. 
as we've seen a Cooks, a Gallup. Even um, Brooks, the rookie last game, looked mm-hmm. amazing too. So the talent is there, and we'll get into Dak later, and he's playing well as well. So I like what I'm seeing from the Cowboys' offense. We had a Tolo text in a little earlier about uh, – Kellen Moore saying, why are you saying Kellen Moore's trash and or Kellen Moore stuff was working and that's why they're reverting back to it a little bit more? No, I think what they're doing is what Mike McCarthy wanted to do. The problem with Kellen Moore, I always said Kellen Moore is a very brilliant guy. Unfortunately for him, he didn't have enough seasoning. So when the playoff time came, he was still playing with his toys. He didn't have the wisdom to say, you know what, I got to rest up this defense a little bit. I got to I got to." Not a better job of clock management, but not just play with the different things that I can come up with all of the time. So what's happening right now is that Mike McCarthy has adjusted, as Broadus was talking about in the crosstalk, the slants to extenuate, to extend the field a little bit for Dak Prescott. Dak's been using his feet a little bit more. The problem with the whole thing is he's talking about complimenting football. He's talking about it a couple of ways. Complimenting the defense and the offense but you're not getting the complimentary running game to go with the passing game. And that's the one big flaw right now in this thing. And as you know, Reg, defensive coordinators, all they do is study tape. And they start trying to take things away from you over a 17-game season. Yeah, I I think that I I might disagree with you in one regard, the Mm -hmm. idea that this is what um, Mike McCarthy wanted to do along. Mike McCarthy and understanding that might be talking sometimes there are things that he says that aren't necessarily all the way exact on what we're actually going to see but Mike McCarthy talked a lot about run the football but also just it was very evident right that this was going to be west coast principles the idea was we're going to kind of shift some of this to make it easier on the quarterback to kind of uh, shorter passes Mm -hmm. quicker passes get the ball out of his hands and we that you saw that early on. You saw that with the slants, and you saw that with the the aggressiveness mm-hmm. and the depth of target that was happening early on in the, in well, the Texas season. Coast. I, I gotta add though to to play real, devil's advocate. real quick before I get there. I, I do I do want to finish that point. What you have seen since the since the um the bye week is that those things have shifted completely, and you are seeing them attack down the field, which are things that are akin to what we saw prior. Under Kellen Moore, we saw that we're seeing them attack down the field. We're seeing them be aggressive, and those mm-hmm. are those are in de- direct conflict. I I believe at least with kind of the West Coast principles that were established very early on. Um, and so it, this is somewhat an alteration. I guess kudos to Mike McCarthy for making some of those shifts. But this is in some ways an acknowledgement of what Kellen Moore was doing, and we knew that Kellen Moore's offense was efficient and effective. I think the big question with Kellen Moore was situational play calling. It felt like exactly. he got he got cute in certain situations, uh-huh. playing with or, his toys, and some of that I think lended to the idea that he was not as experienced um, mm-hmm. on the job, which is understandable. He got this job really early on. Exactly, he's going to be a great offensive coordinator down the road. Um, yeah, so what I was going to say was playing devil's advocate, as much as I'd love the new offense, down-the-field plays, Dak has been throwing the ball relentlessly down the field, there's been a good amount of times I've seen receivers ending up in the exact same spot when the ball's thrown. So I don't know if that falls on the receiver coach, receiver not knowing the play right, but it's happened more than a couple times this season where one guy runs an out, other guy runs a corner, and they're right on top of each other. Not good spacing. And when you're playing the Giants, yeah, it doesn't matter when you got DeVito at quarterback. But when you're playing the 49ers, the Eagles, the Lions, the Seahawks, those kind of teams, little plays like that could be the difference in turning the ball over, having bad field positioning. So I think there's little things we have to clean up. And speaking of cleaning up, I'm going to give McCarthy credit on something. You mentioned since the break, Reg, because this is a, a, a true point. This goes back to Kellen Moore playing with his toys and just the stuff that he could think of. I think 
Mike McCarthy, because he's been in the league so long, he's situationally aware. He realizes his run game isn't happening. Now, it's going to catch up with him, but I think he made those adjustments saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. And just like he said, this is what we're going to do, get the ball to Brandon Cooks more. I mean, Brandon Cooks didn't demand it, but he said, let me get this ball to Brandon Cooks more. It's not going to always be that way, and at some point in time, you're going to need some run game to balance off when these teams decide to take away these receivers. And that's what's going to happen because there's 17 games to be played. Well, currently, those receivers are not being taken away. We've seen the ways yeah. that Brandon Cooks and obviously C.D. Lamb, Lamb have, have uh, ticked up. And some of the things that, you know, I guess uh, to put it as, as bluntly as I can, like the football nerds, but the folks that are really in-depth when it comes to these the analytics and the numbers of this have talked about is that using pre-snap, pre-snap motion, shifting, and then also play action are things that mm-hmm. are supposed to help. What's happening here and what you've seen is a, a, clean, a clear uptick in those things, like – uh, Patrick Walker, who works for DallasCowboys.com, talked about how uh, this this is kind of settled in with Mike McCarthy as a play caller. Pre-snap motion, when it came to against the, the San Francisco 49ers, was used 39% of the time. Since then, against the Chargers, it went up to 62%. The Rams, 56%. Against the Eagles, 54%. And against the Giants, 64%. Like, you're seeing them utilize these things that a lot of the smart folks, at least in my estimation, in this sport talk about as being helpful um you've seen them utilize those Mm -hmm. things for passing and you've seen also maybe not if you want to do correlation causation you can do that right but we've seen those um correlating to better passing um results and within that i think you did point to something though um blake i keep wanting to call you chris i'll take it i mean if i can be be ca that's fine Uh, it'll happen eventually (laughs) Uh, but one thing that you mentioned blake is the idea of receivers in the same spot which talks about you know it points to kind of some of the route combinations and this is where i still have some issues with mccarthy Mm -hmm. it's always it's been one of the things that i've had a, a problem with when it comes to his play calling is that sometimes the play design can be a little questionable. And I say that not just from myself, but like the likes of Kurt Warner, who's really good at breaking down these Mm -hmm. things. He does a QB confidential on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There'll be plays that he talks about. And he's like, I I like what we're doing here. And then there'll be questions where he's like, I don't understand what they're doing here. And sometimes entire play, uh, play combinations where you go, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish here. And watching the Giants game back, you can see the motion, but there's a lot of, there's a few times where the, you know, pre-snap motion you can see it's definitely helping Dak determine what's happening, whether it's you know mm-hmm. zone, man, those types of things, uh, the pre-snap diagnoses. But there's also instances where I, I can remember two distinct instances where the pre-snap motion does not help them get to what they're going to. In fact, sometimes it hurts. Like one of these instances where – Like right now. No, not even that. But you get uh, Brandon Cooks out from you know the backfield out to you know stack with CeeDee Lamb. Mm-hmm. And now they're running routes that are right on top of each other, which instead of having CeeDee Lamb in man coverage one-on-one where you feel great about him beating a, a defender, particularly a Giants secondary player, Back now up. you're bringing a second – defender into play so all you did was bring more defenders upon one of your better wide receivers you basically induced double coverage in that instance because your route combination wasn't right now is that is that a a problem with route running and those things I don't know maybe but one of the things that Mike McCarthy has talked about is play purpose and that in that instance you don't see the play purpose 682 uh total from the 682 and the truckwreck.com text line 877-881-1053 says most of the times those two wide receivers are in the same area because they're in the same scramble drill. That's not what we're talking about. I understand what you're saying there. Scramble drill is, look, man, we're all just getting, uh, trying to find open spaces. We're talking about quite literally like route combinations, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and things of that nature. Now, 
There, it's not. I don't want to pretend like it's every single time. I, like I mentioned, I, I went back and watched the All-22 today, and I watched probably uh, three-quarters of the game thereabouts, mm-hmm. and I vividly remember two instances. It, how, how much of that is, like, percentage-wise? That's not a ton, but like Blake was starting to mention, when it comes to playing the Giants, okay, that's just two. When it comes to playing the high-level teams in the NFC, well. then those are the types of things that can take what should be a big chunk play or a play that helps extend drives, and maybe that's the play where you lessen your ability to continue to go, and the margins are thinner and thinner when you play better teams. Margins are thin. I mean, we saw in the Eagles game, it was a game of inches, mm-hmm. and if you have guys running the wrong route, oh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to run a post at seven yards versus five yards, that's the difference in Dak throwing an interception or a 15-yard catch. So these are things that these guys have to dial in if they want to win a game. Well, they're, going to, after, they're going to straighten those things out. One of the things that's interesting is C.D. Lamb has been so dominant. I asked him after the Dog. game. Yes, I asked him after the game. I said, are these defensive coordinators doing things differently with you over the last few weeks? He said, yes, he's double-teamed every time. And at one point, he was triple-teamed. This is what's wild. Brian Baldinger was breaking down his tape, and, you know, he's the best at this. Mm -hmm. He was showing this over and over again. In one play, they had three guys on C.D. Lamb, and guess what Dak did? That's when he ran in his touchdown. Last year, Dak wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have used his feet like that. So Dak is being situationally aware, saying, you know what? My guy is in trouble. There's nothing over there. I'm not going to throw a pick. I'm not going to look over this side. Guess what? This field is wide open in front of me. Touchdown. Uh, from the 214, they talk about you have your two best receiver stacks, so whichever receiver gets double teamed, the other is open. That, in theory, works all right, but those receivers run exactly the same route. They break late down the field and then run into each other. That's it's not con- it's really just congested. That's that's not really getting either of them open. And in the run of the play, they are in the same place when the ball is released. And it's not in a anticipation situation because, again, they are both bracketed in that instance. I understand. In theory, but in practice is what we're talking about. And in practice, that did not work out. And that's exactly what we mean. Um, And of course, that's that's called no two days in the summertime there. And it's possible like that's the ideas are not getting across. But unfortunately, those are the circumstances that you are operating in and you'll be judged on those things. But this is taking a negative turn. And my answer to this question of are you impressed with the progression of the Cowboys offense remains? Yes. Like, I have some things that I have some questions about. Mm -hmm. And I but. One thing that has been evident is that there's been a major shift. And I think that there's something to be said for a leader that is willing to acknowledge when they are wrong. Mm -hmm. And this seems to be some level of an acknowledgement of, okay, what we were trying to do early on is wrong. Um, And you shifted to the things that work because ultimately getting the job done matters more than anything else in this instance. So you've seen Mike McCarthy be more, uh, more opportunistic in making sure this offense works. Also, we talked about shifting. Play action has also been utilized more. Yep. Even with the running game not necessarily being where you want it to be because um, we understand play action also is helpful. And um, John Owning, Pro Football Focus, friend of the show, mentioned that uh, Dak used play action on 40.5% of his passes versus the Giants. Cooper Russ used it even more, mm-hmm. 45.5% when it came to um, his throws. And we see the ways that those are also helping this team. It, 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 there's a level of respect and praise that should be heaped on Mike McCarthy for making sure pushing this offense forward and pushing it towards the things that work and that's one thing I can say com- compared to Ke- uh, Kellen Moore when he was here it did seem like the offense 
stagnated. It reached a point and it kind of stagnated through the rest of the season. Mike McCarthy has given us kind of these hints that there's more in the bag, that more will keep coming. And I don't know if this is specifically something that he had planned from the start of the season with how drastic it feels like the offense has changed, but at least the offense is moving forward and maybe there's more things coming. And I think you're exactly right because what he has done is make adjustments. That's what you're talking about. And I would not be surprised against Carolina you see more Rico Dottle because he wants some complimentary football. And right now you're not getting that from Tony Pollard. I'm not saying Tony Pollard is a bust. I'm just saying he is not your dirty yards guy, and you've got to do something up the middle. Stop running Pollard. Let Rico do it. So if you see Rico getting more – in other words, make it more balanced with these running backs and not just make Tony the feature back and then Rico on situations. Don't be surprised because Mike McCarthy's all about evolving this thing. He's not standing pat. So I'll ask you, CA, how many carries would be good from Rico Dotto coming up? What would be a good number for you? Well, it depends on the passing attack, but I would say at least 10. 10. And I would say Pollard to get 12. Okay. That's a nice little split right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, again, I don't want to uh, run Pollard into the ground because that's not who he is. And, in fact, I don't think his injury is bothering him. I just think that he is the guy that's the change of pace guy, and you can't lead with him. Not, not saying you can, I mean, you can start him, but you can't just have him do the dirty yard or pound him up the middle, especially with the offensive line being suspect on the right side. So is it safe to say that you think Pollard will be more efficient with Dottle actually coming more into the lineup, kind of taking up some of those dirty yards? Yes. And that's then we could see exactly an emergence of Pollard, kind of what we saw last year with Zeke, kind of replicating that with Dottle. So mm-hmm. just because Pollard's getting less touches doesn't mean he's going to be less efficient or... Exactly. Okay. Okay. See you See you onto something right now. Trying to say. A little committee back there. A little party in the backfield. Just like Cleveland Browns. So I think we're we're all in the same agreement yeah, here. We're impressed. We're, we're impressed. We're not saying this is the playoff team yet, but this is a nice little window here. All right. Um, and by the way, it's all about health. When you get to the playoffs, it's a war of attrition. Whoever's healthiest has the greatest opportunity to go further. And so hopefully, this Cowboys team will be healthy come January. And we'll see if they if they maintain this. Now we had a few uh, health updates today, as we found out that CJ Goodwin, well, CJ Goodwin, we knew wasn't going is going to be out for the season. Pick Leighton Van Der Esch, we we learned today is also likely to be out or is going to be out for the season. We'll talk more about that as the show goes along. Yeah, you heard um, that on this station, the Sean Rogers. That's show. right. We'll play that Hello. audio for you a little bit later Gary in the Jones. program. But right now, um, this is the get right on one hundred five three. The fan coming up next. We'll talk to managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa, about this offense, about the injury to Leighton Van Der Esch and more. We'll do that next on 105 Through the Fan. It's the Get Right right here on 105 Through the Fan. Reginald Dattatula, Chris Arnold, and Fan Phenom, Blake Yelly here with you this evening. Shout out to Ross on the ones and twos. Appreciate you rocking with us however you're listening to us, whether it's the Odyssey app, Terrestrially, YouTube, or Twitch. We we appreciate you being here with us. Um, Coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll go around the NFL, get you caught up on the latest in the National Football League. But before we do that, we will go to the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill hotline to talk to a friend of the program. He is the managing editor at Blogging the Boys. And it's always fun to talk to him right here on the home of your World Series champion, Texas Rangers, 105 through the fan. RJ Ochoa, what's happening, my boy? RJ. Uh, Reggie, CA, great to be with you, Reggie. I was on with CA and KG on Sunday. Uh, and I extended my congratulations to the Rangers and I'm not going to do it again, even though you weren't. <laughs> what do you mean? I just, you know. it was a, it was a very simple setup for the segment. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I didn't say it then. I do want to say I'm so happy for all of you, but I'm really happy for Jared Sandler. Jared's a good friend. Uh, and it's just been so cool. I think um, the, the magic and the power of sports are, is really amazing. And it's just been 
as, as sad as I am, I'm just so happy kind of watching Jared. I think every Rangers fan is living through him uh, and his fantastic coverage all season long. So it's been, you know, I wouldn't say cool, but it's been less awful than it usually is. I guess we'll never know. Wow. Okay. RJ, you're, you're such, that's such a kind sentiment. You're yeah, such a big person. I appreciate that from you, for you. Um, but, real quick, real quick. RJ, yeah. say hello to Blake. Yes. Newest member of the show. Blake, uh, great to be with you. Uh, great name. Uh, Blake of the year candidate already, I imagine. And uh, you're doing a fantastic job. Make sure you keep Reggie in check. Yes, sir. I can do that. Nice to meet you, Mr. RJ. It, nice it is, to meet you. It is necessary to keep me in check. Uh, one thing that can't be kept in check, though, recently is this Cowboys offense, RJ. We were just talking about um, how impressed we are with the way that it's progressed over the last month or so. And obviously, like from where it started at the uh, beginning of the season. How about you? How impressed have you been in the ways that Mike McCarthy has progressed this offense? You know, I feel like I've defended Mike more than maybe the average Cowboys fan. Uh, so it's been nice to kind of see, uh, I, I don't know if I would say his vision, but at least his success unfold. Um, you know, everybody is so quick to jump on him when things aren't going right. And so, it, you know, it, there's nothing but silence. I mean, we were all, I think the name Texas Coast is really dumb, just to be straight up with you guys. But Agreed. everybody was kind of dragging it, um, you know, obviously after San Francisco. And there's a lot of credit to go around. And I know that we um, get a little bit triggered when it comes to the, the word and the analogy based around pie. But I don't understand why Mike is not getting any credit. I mean, these fools put up almost 700 yards of offense. And I have not seen one person give Mike McCarthy credit for taking over play calling and enacting what he wanted to do this season. So good for Mikey Mack. I'm happy for him. Question, Mr. RJ. So we talked about Rangers sports winning a World Series. How much of that aura of the Rangers winning the World Series how you think has worn off on other Dallas teams, specifically the Dallas Cowboys? Blake, you can go to hell. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, good answer, good answer. It is, um, I, you know, I would love to see. Um, I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan just to piss you off a little bit more. Wow. Um, have to hang so, up on him. I'm a citizen of the Rio Grande Valley, guys. I mean, you I know, understand. this is just kind of the way I grew up. I love but, the place, um, mind you. I would, I would be very interested to see uh, a city or a metropolis or metroplex, whatever you want to call it, kind of have them all. I, I know we've come close. I mean, the Warriors uh, had a chance and the Giants, you know, kind of had their little run. Like, that was a, a pure accident. Didn't mean to go down that path. Uh, but, um, you know, the Niners came close. Obviously, Boston has had a million parades. It would be cool, just like a cool sports thing to see, like all four major sports titles in the United States belonging to the same region at the same time. I would I would like to see that, you know, before it's all said and done. Do you, do you think Jerry Jones is a little jealous? I don't know how you can't be. I mean, you know, I mean, look, it's there, there's been how many parades in Dallas? I mean, since 1995. Three? The other three teams have all won championships since the Cowboys have even made it to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, all due respect to the the Rangers and the Mavericks and the Stars, I, I think that they would all swap places with the Cowboys when you consider financial valuations and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty wild and it's pretty insane. And, and we all know how, how heavy, you know, the crown is and how, how heavy the shadow is that kind of, you know, lives over this team that everybody's kind of fighting through. But, I mean, look, at some point it will end, right? It, I mean, I don't know if it's this year or 50 years from now, but at some point it will end. And I tell you what, that parade, that offseason, we will be the loudest, most annoying people that any fan base have ever been because we have crawled through some stuff to get to it. A long time. We're talking to RJ Ochoa, 
managing editor uh, blogging the boys. Hey, RJ, how would you fix the Cowboys running game? It's a tough scene. Um, and that, this is probably the worst part of what we've all chosen to do for a living. Um, you know, talking about when, when people aren't playing well or aren't doing their jobs well, especially because, you know, I can't do that job. Um, and so I think at this point, like, we're deep enough to where we need to see more Rico Dattle. I mean, like, that's, that's just – it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, we don't have to put a number on it. We don't have to say it has to be 60-40 or whatever the case may be. Um, and for what it's worth, I, I think that the Cowboys might agree with that. I mean, just based on how early and often we saw Rico last week, um, I mean, I, I don't, you know, CA, we talked about it on Sunday. I don't put a lot of stock into things like, oh, it's, it's about being the one and about being the primary guy. That kind of stuff always sounds so silly to me, but we're over halfway through the season now. And I mean, the, the results kind of speak for themselves. So I'm not saying Rico Dattle's the answer. But at this point, you know, they've tried a lot of different things. And, you know, there's a lot of credit to go around. So many other dudes are playing well that it just kind of feels like, you know, this is a math test. And we've tried all the answers. And we kind of have to try something a little bit different to hopefully find a solution. You know, we got a total from the 817 who puts his best. I was talking about how Pollard's not the guy for the dirty yards and he's a change of pace kind of guy. 817 says Pollard is good when the defense is tired. I think that's. You know, not unfair. Um, you know, there might be kernels of truth in everything. Um, I know last year we, we laughed at, you know, the idea of, of Pollard not being able to handle this many touches or that many touches. Um, but, again, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. And, you know, we're not saying that after week three. I mean, you know, next week is Thanksgiving. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and this is the conversation. So, um, you, it's very clear that, that Rico – call it I hate saying this because it sounds so like superficial but just runs differently I mean he's a more physical Mm -hmm. aggressive runner and so if you subscribe to the mindset that that needs to come in first to wear people down by all means at at this point we've tried you know eight of the other you know 10 solutions let's try nine and ten to see if this is it RJ when it comes to uh, you know Mozzie Smith it's been kind of a little bit of a slow go of it as is somewhat expected when you when you talk about um, a defensive tackle coming on, but this seemed to be his best game thus far. How, how much do you attribute that to just natural development and growth over the course of the season? And then, you know, how much is just playing a Giants offensive line that's been battered? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's – you don't want to get too carried away and say like, oh, he's arrived. You know, the Eagles really messed up taking Jalen Carter, you know, something like that. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's a difficult position to succeed at right away. And obviously – Everybody knows that, and we're kind of around the time where it makes sense that he would kind of start to thrive. Um, but so, I mean, I think you can you can objectively say he has had the best game he's ever had as a professional. His stock is as high as it's ever been as far as, you know, his time with the Cowboys is concerned. And there's all the more reason to believe in him moving forward. And, you know, you, there's, there's reason to trust him against the Carolina Panthers, I guess, is the very least. I'm willing to go on this. And, you know, you, you build from here. I, I do think there's value in that, obviously, psychological value to kind of playing well, even if it is against crummy teams. And, um, look, I mean, the, everybody else gets to play these Giants teams, too. Like, you know, the idea that, you know, other players are going up against elite offensive lines week in and week out is a little bit silly, but kudos to Mozzie. Uh, tough times, though, for his alma mater, obviously. RJ, I got a final question here for you. Um, one thing to nitpick, I know the Cowboys have been playing well this season. 
But when I'm watching the game, I'm not too in love with the offensive line, especially in the run game and then in the pass game or the pass block, I should say, Terrence Steele. So what is your evaluation on the Cowboys O-line? Do you think it's anything to worry about or not much to, to it? I tell you what, I think the most emblematic thing of the group to me is Tyron. Um, I mean, I don't know the last time Tyron has been this reliable, um, not just from a, a physical standpoint, from a physical health standpoint, but from a skill standpoint. I mean, Tyron Smith has been awesome as of late. And I know, obviously, he's, he's played and he's been around at different points throughout the last couple of seasons and whatnot. But, I mean, this is probably the most trust I've had in the Cowboys offensive line since right before Terrence got hurt against Houston around this time last year. Um, so, I mean, they've, they've made their bed on this. I mean, this is how they want to rock. Um, and I don't think it, it hurts Terrence Steele to have these kind of low-quality teams to go up against to kind of boost his confidence up, especially coming off of that performance in Philadelphia. I mean, I think they're probably somewhere around the 12th to 13th best offensive line in the NFL right now, and, and I think that that's certainly enough to work with, especially if you've got a quarterback that's playing at the level that Jack is. Now, RJ, when it comes to um, this defense, we got news today that Leighton Vander Esch is lost for the season. Uh, there was still some hope, you know, that he may, might come back, come back off of IR and slot back into your linebacker room. What, what's your concern level? Understanding that, you know, you've signed the likes of Rashawn Evans and such uh, that have, you know, come in and added some value. But uh, especially when you talk about later in the season having to play against the best teams um, that might have some size uh, with, you know, Damone Clark and, um, and Marquise Bell. Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer, and, and obviously Layton's given a lot to the Cowboys, and, and you you know, if this is the end, um, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of talking about that are speculating on the internet about that. I mean, that would just, you know, really suck. Um, and so in terms of on-the-field implications, I mean, it's it's a different game than, than it was even when the Cowboys drafted Layton, which is crazy given that that was just five years ago. And so – I mean, Marquis Bell has been such a, an incredible project that Dan Quinn has turned into this force in the middle of his defense. And I, I mean, I think the reality is you're, you're always one, you know, scary moment away from being depleted at any particular position. But given the, the nature of the linebacker position relative to how it's kind of been utilized and rostered in a traditional sense, I mean, you know, when Leighton goes down, all of a sudden you're, you're kind of down in, in terms of numbers at your linebacker spot. And so, I don't know that I have a, an enormous amount of faith in, in Rashawn Evans right now. I, I think I need a little bit more to kind of feel confident in him specifically. But the duo of Marquis Spell and Damone Clark, uh, I think, is definitely helping everybody sleep a little bit easier at night. Quickly, before we get you out of here, how impressed are you with Deron Bland, or did you see this coming from last season? I think if anyone says they saw this coming, they're either Al Harris or they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. Um, what he's doing is insane, and it's obviously very reminiscent of Trayvon Diggs. Um, and, and thankfully, Trayvon kind of came before Duran and, and absorbed all the criticism uh, that, that you could kind of have for somebody who was generating that many turnovers. He is just another example, I think, of, of you know, when we talked during the draft about the Cowboys finding dudes on day three that can contend and that can compete and can make their roster better. Shout out, obviously, to Will McClay and the entire scouting department. He's incredible. I mean, and listening to, to Stephon Gilmore talk about him on the Cowboys Hour yesterday, I mean, it is very clear that he is impressed. I mean, the dude impressed Stephon Gilmore. That's a really difficult thing to do. Um, so he goes about it the right way. I'm, I've never been this, you know, calm about the future of the cornerback position with the Cowboys, obviously with Trayvon coming back next year. They're set for a while. That's a really exciting thing. 
He is the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, and he's always a good sport, and we appreciate you coming and shedding your knowledge, RJ. I hope you guys um, eat something delicious and, um, you know, have a hot seat before you, you're, headed, you're headed to the pillow tonight. That's what I want for each of you, including Blake. <laughs> we can do that. We can do that. Likewise to you, RJ Ochoa, Thanks, RJ. Blogging the Boys. Appreciate you, man. Y'all have a good night. Yes, sir. Um, real quick, a, a check in on what's happening at the American Airlines Center. Unfortunately, the Stars are down one to nothing. Clayton Keller scores for the Coyotes. There's about four minutes left in the first period. As the first period in New Orleans, or sorry, the first quarter rather ends in New Orleans, 33 to 26. Your Mavericks trail the Pelicans. Seven turnovers in the first quarter. Unusual, and this is Luca. Yeah, Luca having turnovers, a lot of transition points is what's uh, giving the Pelicans this lead. We'll keep you up to date as to what's happening all over your DFW sports landscape. Over and under, 249. Zion's weight. All right. (laughs) Total score. Unfortunate. Um, Coming up next on the Get Right, we'll go around the NFL where uh, Dorsey was fired in Buffalo. Is he a scapegoat? We'll discuss it next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Atatula, Chris Arnold, and Blake Elliott. And Phenom sitting with you on this Tuesday evening in the Metroplex. Shout out to Ross Lebensky on the ones and twos. Appreciate you rocking with us on on the Odyssey, the Odyssey app. Twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam. YouTube 105.3 The Fan. Uh, Coming up in about 15 minutes, we will. What are we doing again? Oh, yeah. We'll get some ops, or some overreactions, rather, from Week 10 in the National Football League and uh, update us to what's happening. Uh, the, the Mavs looking a little bit uh, problematic, a little bit messy on the court. Yeah, look turnover happy. In New Orleans, however, on the ice in, at the AAC, Esselindel evens it up at Woo! one goal apiece against the Arizona Coyotes, as I like to call them. And that one, that one's going well, at least thus far, in... For your stars, we'll keep you up to date on what's happening there. But right now, Ross, let's go around the National Football League. As uh, last night, the Buffalo Bills fell to the Broncos in what was a close game. And uh, I mean, by all estimations, an exciting game, though. Uh, I, I still can't tell you if it was a good game per se. It was raggedy, but they're not they were, raggedy. They were raggedy. going up and down the field. There were there were turnovers. <laughs> there was uh, drama, mm-hmm. as they say. And one of the things, on the field. one of the, yes, there was, there was a late penalty that uh, turned a missed field goal into a made field goal that put the Broncos on top 24 to 22. And ultimately when all the dust settled, we learned earlier today that offensive coordinator for the bills, Ken Dorsey is offensive coordinator. No more. They he fired gone. him. He gone. Um, and this was a little bit perplexing because if you look at the statistics for this bills offense through the first 10 weeks of the season, let me rattle off some numbers at you. I know I'm going to throw a whole bunch of things at you, but generally um, they should make sense. And real quick, before we go uh, on this on this journey of numbers, Chris, how many teams are there in the NFL? 32. Okay, very good. The Bills offense through week 10, third in DVOA, mm. first in success rate, mm. third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second and third down conversion rate, and third in red zone efficiency. Shout out to Mina Kimes who put all those numbers nice. together. 
And that was all from this offense whose offensive coordinator they just fired. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think those are good numbers. I don't think those are good numbers, especially when you have championship aspirations as Bills Mafia does. They're not jumping through tables that they're not trying to win. And so when you have a quarterback who's on, you know what? I think and I think I know what the real point is here. The Madden curse is real. Oh, oh that's what you're going that for what it here? Is? The Madden curse is real. He's on the cover? Real. Is he on the, co- he's he's on on the, the latest cover. cover? Okay. Sitting in the crowd, looking like the guy. Josh Allen. And he's been, I'm not even going to say for his caliber and we're holding him to a high standard, he's not, not been a good quarterback this year. I mean, the number one thing you have to do as a quarterback is not turn the ball over. Yeah, he can have an exciting play here and there, but if you're giving the, the other team more opportunities to score more times than not, you're going to lose football games. And that's why they're 500 right now. 500 is not okay in Buffalo. And Josh Allen, we need to give him the same the same animosity that we gave Dak Prescott same a year scrutiny. ago. Same scrutiny we did Dak a year ago for mm-hmm. all those turnovers. And Josh's are important turnovers. They're late in the game, fumbles, interceptions. They're not just first quarter dilly bops. These are late game, game losing plays. So, And you know what? He's got the freedom to make those plays, and that's what did his offensive coordinator in. Offensive coordinator went from GOAT to scapegoat. I say GOAT because they had the high-octane offense. But guess what? The bottom line, and you were talking about these numbers, Reg, the bottom line number that matters is 5-5, five and five, and that's why he's out because they can't fire the quarterback. Well, and the tough thing about it, though, is there needs to be, in my estimation, there needs to be an understanding that the offense is what the offense is, which is very good, mm-hmm. but you have these turnover issues. And at some point, it's like, are you going to accept that that's what it is, or are you going to find a way to work around it? Um, but I, I, I disagree with one thing you said, Blake, which is Go the ahead. idea that um, Josh Allen needs to be treated as Dak Prescott was treated last year. I kind of feel like nobody should be treated like that because it, <laughs> it, it felt nonsensical. It's yeah, one of the it. things that we talked mm-hmm. about uh, in those ways. I do think that we need to understand who that guy is when it comes to Josh Allen, which is he is turnover prone. This, yes, is, is. this is another year in which he is high up in interceptions. It's another year where turnovers. And fumbles, too. And fumbles, absolutely. Uh, so I think there needs to be an understanding of who he is and appreciate that. Um, we were talking yesterday, Blake, about the idea that these are the things that come with the high-level play. Um, but if you're not if you're not getting the high-level play, which it doesn't feel like you are, thus as much as you know other seasons where it's not always that AFC Championship game against the uh, against the Chiefs or what felt like an AFC Championship game that year against the Chiefs. It's 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 good play and sometimes it's abysmal play and that's that's problematic for them, but I think you have to appreciate that Ken Dorsey was not the issue. However, right. they I guess they felt like they just needed a change. So Reg, I have a question for you. In that Bills Mafia locker room, if you're in there, who holds Josh Allen accountable? Is anyone doing it or does he he get to run around do what he wants, fire him? Well, I, I imagine that, one, he knows that those interceptions and those turnovers are there on him. And one of the accountability points is the fact that they are 5-5, five and five, right? There's an understanding that as a quarterback, there's the, there's, we, we, folks do this quarterback win thing, which I don't necessarily subscribe to. However, it is the predominant way of you know doing this. And so I'm sure that winning is something that he wants at a, at a very high rate. And right now they are not doing that. So I'm sure that there's some intrinsic stuff. And then also, hey – What's up, Sean McDermott, head coach? Uh-huh. Because these things are now going to come to your doorstep. What is happening for you? Even though the defense has been has been pretty decent considering that they've lost Travis White, they've lost Matt Milano, mm-hmm. two of their very important defenders. But ultimately, you have to do the things that, need, that are necessary to win. I don't care that you're a defensive head coach. You are still the head coach. And so figuring out how to make those things happen is going to be important. Uh, shout out to Joe Brady, 
Mm-hmm. Previously of the LSU Tigers, you remember when he was there when they won that national championship? Mm-hmm. He is now the uh, the acting offensive coordinator for the uh, Buffalo Bills. It is now your responsibility, young man, to deal with these turnovers, but also make sure that they don't end up losing you football games. You know what the problem is for Josh Allen is he's got insane arm talent, which means he's got the ability to carry an average team to higher grounds. And unfortunately for him, he tries to do it too much, mm. and that's where he is right now. In other words, he's not staying within himself. He's saying, I got an insane arm talent. I know I can make this throw. And so he's making stupid throws. Maybe he should use his legs because he's also a very good runner. You saw what Trayvon Diggs put on Twitter. Yeah, you saw 14. Get up Stephon, out of there. Stephon, get out of here. Get run, him out. Run, 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 Stephon, run. Get out of there. Spicy. Now, where does he go? I mean, I, if if I'm Diggs, do you do you even feed into that? Or do you have full trust in Josh Allen as your quarterback staying in Buffalo? I'm all bought in if you're Stephon Diggs. Well, don't forget that, I mean, there seemed to be some level of ruffled feathers there. Yeah, he took the, a pay cut in the, the offseason when it came to Stephon. I don't know what those were. I do. Here's here's what happened. Okay. This is what I found out from Uh-oh. sources. Insider. He agreed to a lower salary to make room for OBJ, but they didn't bring it to OBJ. And that's why he was mad, and that's why he was not at these OTAs and stuff. Because mm, he agreed to take a pay cut. Let's bring OBJ in. You heard it here first, Chris Arnold. Oh, I've, I've talked about this all summer. That's what happened. And the, the, one of the tough things is that Stephon Diggs, you is must abs- Stephon Diggs is absolutely one of the reasons why you saw an increase in the, in the standard of play from Josh Allen when you did. So, ooh, that would be tough if he, if he was to get some level of upset and one out. But we, we'll, we'll cross that bridge if and when we get there as we continue around the NFL on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. We have a date for the debut of the in-season hard knocks. You guys remember this where, you know, we obviously have the preseason hard knocks and the NFL said one hard knocks is not enough. Oh, boy. We now have the in-season version. This year it's the Miami Dolphins, and this thing gets going on November 21st, exactly a week from tonight. Next Tuesday you get to see what's happening with the Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, uh, Devon A. Chain, all mm. them involved in this starting next Tuesday. Are you guys at all interested in the in-season version of Hard Knocks? Oh, yeah. I, I think the Dolphins, the, yeah. The in-season is, is I don't want to say more exciting. Preseason one is also exciting. But the in-season one, you get to see the dynamics of how the team is changing. And preseason, everybody's happy. Nobody's playing time is getting taken away. Everybody got paid. Everybody feeling good. They can vacation with their baby mama. Now it's it's regular season time. It's time you're getting hit in the mm-hmm. mouth. Maybe you're not getting that playing time. Maybe you did get benched. Maybe you're getting more playing time. So it's interesting to see how those dynamics kind of change, especially with a, a character like Tyreek Hill. I'm all in for that. You know what? I can I, I don't want to say I'm spoiled, but I have really liked that quarterbacks documentary that Peyton Manning put out with Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins and uh, Marcus Mariota. Mar- yeah, I really really like that, and I'm like I like that better, you know, than. Hard knocks. Well, the tough thing about it is I I don't know that you get another one. It seems like he's had issues signing anybody up to do it. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Because that was great. That that camera follows you around all season, Mm -hmm. personal life, back home. You got to put on a got to put on a little bit of a show for the camera. And a lot of guys don't want to be a quote unquote distraction to their team. And they did. A lot of guys have declined. Mm -hmm. I had new respect for Kirk Cousins after that documentary. Kirko Chains. Every time he got it. They would, you know, chiropractic care, just bones cracking. I'm like, her cousin went through hell. Yeah. To go 13 and four 
and get knocked out in the first round. And going through hell again as he is yeah, uh, currently is. lost for the season. Uh, as we continue around the NFL, did you guys realize that Week 10 was a walk-off week for the NFL? Apparently, the NFL set the record for game-winning field goals as time expired in a single week, which included the, that game that happened last night Denver. between the Broncos and the Bills on Monday Night Football. So... Um, let's see, you had Matt Prater hitting a 23-yard field goal uh, to have the Cardinals beat the Falcons. You mm-hmm. had a Riley Patterson field goal to lift the the lines over the Chargers. You had a Jason Myers field goal to lift the Seahawks over the Commandos. Dustin Hopkins hit one for the Browns over the Ravens. Matt Amendola signed off the street, hit yeah. one to beat the te- or for, to lift the Texans over the Bengals. And then, obviously, Will Lutz hit that one last Six. night uh, on his second attempt Woo. to give the Broncos a win over the Bills. Six wins as the time expires for the NFL um, game of inches game of inches in and for the NFL game of excitement right mm-hmm. and cha-ching ratings absolutely absolutely are uh, let me see if you guys agree with this gentleman um Patriots defensive uh, captain defensive lineman team captain Dietrich Wise Jr. says quote you are what your record says you are however this is a tough season we ha- we have a bad record but we don't have a bad team do you agree with this gentleman on the New England Patriots this season. Yes, I do, because you have to say this as a part of the team. He okay, said the uh, correct thing. So, But you don't agree with that. But him. I completely okay, there you do not agree. Uh, you said yes, and I'm like, I don't know, dog. They're 2-8. You, you got Zaps and Max back there. They're, they're, there's no magic back there. Like I said yesterday, they're watching college football. They're not excited. They're not excited for what they have. Every other game, they've had a guy in and out of the lineup when it comes to quarterback. Now, the defense is not terrible. I think the defense has something to build around. They got some good young pieces. But you got to say that. Good PR answer. But That's called coach speak. Coach uh, speak. They don't get their coach fired. When he got away from the microphones, he turned around and said, We suck! And the guys in the back, I agree. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. This is not the Patriot way. That's why Belichick. You heard the rumor about Belichick might be going to Washington? I hadn't heard that, but obviously there's been a lot of thought of that. Bill uh-huh. Belichick could be uh, unmoored from that job is the way to say it. Um, it seems like obviously longtime head coach has had a lot of success, but of late last four or five seasons and hasn't quite looked the way he wanted to. There's a possibility that maybe the, the um, Patriots let him go, and then he's still a guy who has a mm-hmm. Super Bowl ring in particular teams like, I guess, the Washington Commandos, who have not had success any time recently, might be uh, drawn to that that type of profile. Yeah, Broaddus real quickly was saying that uh, it didn't work out for Vince Lombardi. He left the Packers, went to Washington. It did not work out, especially when they're talking about Belichick easing into a GM position. Broaddus said he can't draft. He can't identify these players nowadays, but he can definitely still coach but not draft. He doesn't have the talent. He, doesn't, he does not have the eye for the talent. Uh, the New York Jets apparently had a players-only meeting earlier today, which obviously Uh-oh. is always a good sign, Uh-oh. right? And a surprising move. They actually waived running back Michael Carter. I thought he'd been good for them in his young career. However, he's now available out there on there for um, maybe maybe if uh, there's a team out there that could, that could like a, a young running back to maybe uh, take a flyer on, Michael Carter's out there. Hmm. Uh, but that's, that's the news around the National Football League right here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, let's get some observ- or some overreactions. I keep wanting to say observations, but let's let's test these overreactions from Week 10, see how we feel about those. We'll do it next on The Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, 
and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.